This is The Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota, and I am Pastor Joe Faldette. We have worship at 9.30 a.m. during the summertime. We can be found online at hosannafreelutheran.com and in podcast format on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app as The Kingdom at Hand. Ephesians 4, verse 15, a method for unity. And I read in Jesus' name. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. I'm going to finish off this paragraph, though. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let us pray. Father, As we come to study your word, I ask that you would grant us wisdom. Lord, open minds and understanding that you might be glorified. And Lord, that we might be drawn both closer to you and closer to each other. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this feels to me much more like a topical sermon than like an exegetical sermon. I know some people call this you know, looking at just a single word and applying all of that out as exegesis. But I, I struggle with that. I, I think of these things more topically. Um, when someone's just focused on a single word and grows from that, that's more of a topical sermon. Uh, and I don't usually do those. So this is kind of new ground for me. So congratulations, guinea pigs. I hope that's not insulting. Uh, if it is, Get over it. <laughs> so first off, as Paul brings this together, we just, he just went through what it means, so contextually, Paul just went through what it means to be children, what it means to be an immature Christian. And he says, we don't want to be these things anymore. And he actually uses that no longer in there, which is fascinating, because that means this is where we are, but we're trying to grow past that. We're trying to grow past childhood. The question is, how do we do that? How do we grow? How do we grow as Christians? You know, usually you're told, well, read your Bible and pray. That's valid. That's truthful advice. But that's not the end. How many of you know somebody who reads their Bible and has really crazy ideas? Any of you here? So only a few of you raised your hands. You need to talk to more people. Um, I was, no, you don't need to talk to more people. I had someone call me one day and I think he got the wrong number, but we ended up talking about Jesus, uh, because I'm a pastor and that's what I do. And so, uh, I don't know what church he was trying to call, but he said, well, since I've got you on the phone, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And he was talking about the fact that the Holy Ghost is translated spirit but he's not really a spirit because he's more of a ghost. You know, he's the ghost of Jesus. And the Holy Ghost, the ghost of Jesus, is the thing that's moving around in this world. And we lose that because, you know, the new translations are all being translated spirit. And I was like, what? I, what? This is a new one. I have never run 
across this before. And I've had lots of really interesting discussions with really interesting people. And I could go on, like I could have a whole sermon just of anecdotes about that. Um, but that wouldn't be much of a sermon. And so they're reading, this guy, he's reading his Bible, and this guy's praying. And as he's reading his Bible, and he's reading the King James Version, he's getting all of these really strange ideas. And the question is, why? What does he do about that? And that's where we start with this. Rather, speaking the truth in love. And for him to bring this question up, it was through talking to me that he came to an understanding that, you know what? That's not a valid way of viewing the world at all. Because he didn't understand the Greek of pneuma, and he didn't understand how that could be translated spirit and ghost. He didn't understand any of the background and why it was translated ghost and how ghost used to mean what ghost used to mean in the English language, but now what it means in the transition of the English language. He didn't understand any of that. And for some reason, I do. I still don't understand that either. And so he needed to talk it out. How do we make sure, how do I make sure that I'm not stuck in some error? It's by speaking it. I need to be talking through these things. And I need to be talking through these things for the sake of doctrine and so that I can know that I'm in the truth. Because as we interact with other Christians and as we talk about these things, have you ever said something and then realized Well, that's really silly. Why am I even thinking about that? Maybe you guys don't ever do that. I do that. Sometimes I'll say something like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. It sounded really good in my head. But now that it's out in the air, well, that that doesn't really work. And so it's for our sake. Another question. For me, this is that first part. For me, why do I need to speak? How many of you have ever, ever engaged in someone who's bitter, with someone who's bitter? Anybody here? Why did that bitterness come into their lives? Oftentimes, now there's all sorts of reasons. But within the context of this sermon, oftentimes it's because there was something going on and they refused to talk about it. They refused to say anything. And as they refused to say anything, that resentment started to grow. And you know, what the, you know what the adult form of resentment is? It's bitterness. And that resentment started to grow in their lives. And because they didn't actually express themselves when that thing was little, it grew and grew and got bigger and bigger to the point where it breaks relationships, to the point where it hurts people. If I have bitterness in my life, if that resentment has grown to the point where it becomes bitterness, it actually affects me physically. And it changes my physiology. It changes the chemical nature of our bodies, which is insane. But that's the way that this happens. And so I need to be speaking about what's going on in my life. I need to be talking with you about how we're interacting. I need to be doing that stuff. Because as I'm, if I'm not, A, I'm going to be in error Because I'm not going to have anybody to correct me. And B, if there's hardship, if there's something going on, Kirsten and I aim for this, we strive towards this. That 
we would be speaking to each other about what's going on so that we can correct each other, but so that we can also then be corrected by each other. Because if, if she's doing, which, you know, this never happens, but if she's doing something that's annoying me, I've got two options, don't I? Either I can suck it up and hide it inside like a good Norwegian, or <laughs> we can talk about it and try to come to some conclusion. And that doesn't mean I just get to attack her. That means we're trying to come to a conclusion. That happens through communication. If I'm not communicating, I'm actually harming myself. And not only am I harming myself, but then I would be harming Kirsten. Because now, we, our relationship starts to break down. Again, how many of you know somebody who... You don't trust to tell you the truth. I, I do. I was actually just interacting with this. It's funny that this comes up. Jim was telling me about a situation. It's not Jim. Um, but I was, I was interacting with someone uh, a little bit over a year ago now. And they, were, they called me on the phone. They're not members here. They don't live in the community. Um, they were very, very angry with me. And they called me on the phone and they chewed me out. And it was, it was probably about a half an hour, 45 minute phone call. And 15 minutes of that was being yelled at. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> but as we talked, so I, I was on the receiving end for that long. And then the other half an hour was, us trying, was me trying to come to a, a resolution with this person. And trying to resolve what was going on. And, uh, you know, bring some truth into it. Because she was believing a, a couple of lies about what ha- was happening. And so... I spent that time, that half an hour working through that, and I thought at the end of it, she said, well, okay, that sounds good. So I thought, okay, it's managed, right? That, that was my assumption. This thing's managed because we talked through it, and she said, all right, that sounds good. And then I just got word that she put this whole spiel on Facebook. A year, over a year later, which shows me that things weren't good. But she didn't speak the truth. She actually lied about that. And because she refused to talk it through until she was comfortable with it, she is now dealing with that. She's still dealing with that. Why else would she put it on Facebook? She's still dealing with that bitterness that she's holding on to. Now, this lady's not a Christian. Again, she doesn't live here. She, you know, there's, I don't really, I don't even have her phone number. I don't know how to contact her right now. I suppose we could do it through Facebook. Then I have to go on Facebook. Um, so, she, that damaged our relationship. And that actually brought it to the point where it makes it hard for me to trust her. So even if I do talk to her now, I'm not going to trust that we've come to any resolution. And so, if I'm not speaking to the point where we've come to an agreement. You're actually hurting the person that you're talking to. If you're not bringing this to a conclusion, you're allowing this to fester underneath. She's hurting herself, but then she's also striving to damage me through this. And she's hurt that relationship. And now any good that she would have to bring to our relationship, I can't trust it. And so I can't receive it. Because you don't receive something from someone you don't trust. Because you never know what it is. There could be a hidden bomb in there or something. But nevertheless, 
when we're not communicating with others, so we'll take this guy that called me on the phone. If I refused to talk to him, would he have ever come to an understanding? And I don't know if he actually did or not. You know, sometimes these people just refuse to listen. But would he have ever come to an understanding that, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't just the ghost of Jesus walking around in this world? If he was never corrected, how would he ever become correct? And so we hurt the person that we're talking to, the person that's in error, the person that's hurting us, we hurt. And we don't talk to them. Because we're never able to come to an agreement, and then we're never able to grow. And then we hurt the whole community. Because if you're interacting with a bunch of people like that, you're not trusting anybody. Because I don't know, and from that time that I heard about this thing on Facebook, there's been a part of me that trusts people less. Because now I don't know if other people are holding on to things that I thought were brought to a conclusion. And so the whole community becomes damaged. When I don't speak out, when I don't speak up, when I don't say that which needs to be said, the whole community is damaged because then all of us are walking around wondering, or maybe it's just people like me are walking around wondering, are there landmines hidden in this ground that I don't know about? That if I step wrong, something's just going to blow up because it's been festering for the last 10 years. Because that happens. All it requires is someone to step on it. And why does that exist? It exists because someone along the line didn't speak up. Didn't say, you know what? I actually have a problem with that. You know, that wasn't, that's not right. You know, actually, that's not what Scripture says. Actually, that's not the way you're supposed to be acting. And that takes courage. It takes courage to speak up. Because, A, you could be wrong. That's always a possibility. Not with you guys, but with me. I could be wrong. You guys probably don't deal with that as much. It takes courage to speak. Because I could be wrong. And I don't like being corrected. But you know, it's necessary. And it takes courage to speak because people don't like being corrected. How many of you have ever been right and still gotten in trouble? That's why it takes courage. Because I have to do the right thing. Even if it hurts. Even if it hurts me. Or even if it short, in the short term hurts the person that's with me. Ultimately, it builds the community as a whole. Because then we know that we're walking on safe ground. And we can have that sense of peace with each other. Because we're, there's not all these landmines laying around there. Does that make sense? We need to be speaking up. Otherwise, we can never grow. Because then we're still as children. We're not trusting each other. And we're not saying what's right and what's real. And we're not moving forward. Speak the truth. We don't speak opinion. And so, is there a difference between truth and opinion? Absolutely. And so when we're talking about things that I could be wrong about, so if I, am, if I am talking to someone about their clothing choices, is there an absolute truth that I can point to? You know, you really can't wear white after Labor Day. White pants. Is that, isn't that it? Maybe it's white pants. I don't know. That's an opinion. Kevin and I were talking about this today. He said I should be wearing my plaid shirt that I had on Friday. I was like, well, it doesn't go with my tie. 
No, I only wear ties on Sunday if I can help it. Really? You know, that's an opinion. Does, is that something that really matters? Churches break up over carpet. That's an opinion. Well, no, it's the brown carpet worships Jesus better than the red carpet. Duh. That's an opinion. Is that a reason to hold tension? No. So when we're speaking, we have to make sure that it's truth and not just opinion. Because if it's just opinion, we have to say, you know what? My opinion isn't any better than yours. You know? So we hold opinions lightly, but when we speak truth, we stand on the authority of the word of God. And so when we're talking about speaking truth, we're talking about the authority of the word of God. This is what Jesus says. This is something that's real. This is something that's absolute. You know, and there, truth ceases to become flexible. It is not flexible. If it's in terms of opinion, well, that's truly how I feel. It's like, then that's flexible. But when we're talking about reality, we're talking about the Word of God, the revealed truth of God, and that is something that's inflexible, and that's something that I can stand on and say, I am not flexing on this. I am not moving from this spot. Because the Word of God is real. Period. And if you want to argue with that, you take it up with Paul. He's dead. Good luck. But that's where we stand. And that's what we hold fast to. Doesn't matter. Well, then we get into applications of the Word of God. You know, okay, there can be some flex there when it comes to the application side. But when it comes to the interpretation side, when it comes, this is what God's Word says. You know, do not steal from your neighbor. You know, it's not really stealing if, if they're okay with it. It's like, they're not okay with it. That just means they don't know about it. I can't steal. I can't lie. I can't deceive in order to get my way. I'm not allowed to do that. How do I know that? God's word says it pretty clearly. Be ready in season and out of season. You know what? That's the calling. That's what God's word says. Preach the gospel. That's what God's word says. If people don't believe in Jesus, they're going to hell. That's what God's word says. Period. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Man, that's probably the most terrifying verse in all of scripture. And because of that, we're called to submit. And we're called to submit to actual authority. Not necessarily in other things, but to actual authority. To God himself. We're called to submit to that, to lower ourselves below the word of God and say, well, I have always been taught this or I've always felt this way, but then I'm reading the Bible and it says this. What am I going to do? I'm going to submit to that. And how do we get to that point? It's by speaking with others. That, that's how we grow in our knowledge of the word of God. I grow as I'm speaking through these, as I'm working through these things. As I'm working through them right now, it's really weird. I don't know, under, fully understand it, but I'll write, you know, I don't write out a whole sermon, but I'll write out a whole set of bullet points. And as I'm going through this with you guys, I come to new understandings. New things come up. So as I'm speaking these things, as I'm speaking the truths of God, I start to see how they're connected in other ways. And then you guys hopefully start to see how they're connected in other ways. And then someone will come up to me and say, you know, that's not quite right. 
because of this. It's like, oh, you're right. You're right. I, I didn't have a full view of that. I was just looking at a part. And now I see more. And so then we've got that thing that we submit to. We submit to the Word of God. We put that above our pride. We put that above our opinions. We put that above our emotions. The Word of God stands up here above everything that is me. Well, I don't like that. You know what? I understand, and I'm sorry, but this is truth. You know, I'm not standing up here saying, you need to vote Democrat, or you need to vote Republican, because you know what? To a good degree, those are opinions. I can say, you need to vote pro-life. I can say that. But I can't tell you which party, because I don't know all the people. You know, I can't stand here and say what opinions you should have. You know, you really need to be a libertarian. That's kind of an opinion. But when it comes to the word of God, you need to believe in Jesus. You know what? We're done. That's what it says. So we submit to that, no matter the situation. That's what we seek to speak. That's where we draw the lines. We speak the truth. So if you're going to be correcting someone, you need to make sure that you have the truth. You can't correct someone because, you know, that shirt doesn't really go with those pants. Those things aren't the things that matter. If you're going to make a stand, if you're going to actually take the time to speak and be brave and be bold, speak the truth. In love. So speaking the truth doesn't give me the right to be mean. It doesn't give me the right to be cruel. Because you can use truth in a black manner too. You can use truth to hurt people because you can sit on that until it's the right time and you can say, see, see how foolish you are. See how low you are. See how, well, whatever. When it says in love, why does Paul say in? Because if you're with something, it affects you. But it's not the whole of it. But if I'm supposed to speak the truth in love, if I'm speaking the truth in love, then it's love that surrounds the whole thing. Everything about it is in love. And so if I speak the truth in love, the truth is supposed to be absolutely covered by love. It's supposed to be absolutely colored by love. It's supposed to be absolutely held by love. And so it's not just, you know, well, part of me is saying this in order to help you. The other part of me is saying this in order to hurt you. That's not in love. That's with love. And so if I have ulterior motives for speaking the truth, I need to repent. That reveals my sin. I'm, I'm really speaking the truth. I, you know, I'm speaking the truth out of love for you because I, w- I want you to benefit from this. I want you to grow from this. But I also want to show how great I am. You know, and, and my wisdom. Like, No. That's wrong. I need to repent of that. When that happens in me, that's my error. Because then I'm not in love. I'm with love. There's a little bit of love here and then a whole lot of something else. Or there's, you know, quite a bit of love here, but then something else. You know what? That's something else. We need to bring that to Jesus in repentance. Because that's sin. That's sin. If I'm doing this for my, you know, just out of selfishness, 
That's sin. I need to bring that to Jesus. In love, for the sake of the building up of everybody. Love your neighbor as yourself. This doesn't mean that I can't do it out of love for me. But what is that love? Love, biblically speaking, is not a short-term thing. Like, that's what our culture says is love nowadays. It's to make someone feel good about themselves right now. You know, that's this whole transsexual thing. I don't know if you guys have been following that in the news. Um, All of this transsexual stuff. It's one of the reasons that they're pushing it. There's probably all sorts of other reasons in the background that aren't getting brought up to the foreground. But one of the reasons that they're pushing this is because they want these kids or these people to feel accepted. Or to feel like that they can be who they are. And this is who they are, so they need to be able to express it. You know, and in the short term, so I was reading some testimonies from some of these transsexual people. In the short term, it says, it's exciting and it's hopeful. Because now I've got a place to go. And that's what our culture says. That's love. That you give them that short-term satisfaction. That they don't have to work hard right now. That they don't have to sacrifice right now. And that's not love. Being nice isn't loving. You know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's not necessarily loving. Because I can withhold something from you and allow you to go off in error. That's not loving. I can withhold something from you and allow you to go and make a fool out of yourself. That's not loving. You know, that's the parent that needs to discipline their children. Why do you discipline their children? Because it's nice? You know what? I'll promise you, Anton and Rachel do not like being disciplined. No matter what. That's the true definition of love. That you would seek the growth for the people that you're interacting with, including yourself. Because you're interacting with yourself, right? You know, all of you that are trying to force yourself to keep paying attention right now, you're interacting with yourself. That's what that is. And so you've got to seek the growth of everybody you're interacting with. And so I speak the truth in love, seeking, I speak the truth seeking my growth. I speak the truth seeking your growth. I speak the truth in my marriage, seeking Kirsten's growth and seeking my growth. I speak the truth to my children, seeking their growth. I don't do this because I'm angry at them. I do this because I, need, I want them to grow. I want their lives to be better tomorrow than they are now. And you know what? Sometimes that's hard right now. Oftentimes that's hard right now. But if I'm seeking that growth in the end, that's love. It doesn't speak about affection. This isn't some emotional attachment to someone. Speak the truth with an emotional attachment to someone. You know, that's not a good translation. That's not a good interpretation of this. Because what does that mean? That means we're not going to really speak the truth. Because sometimes my emotional relationship with people is anger. And you know, then I'm not going to be speaking the truth for their growth. I'm actually going to be tearing them down with the truth. And that's not what Paul's talking about because it doesn't create the maturity of the body. That's those landmines that exist under there. Have you guys ever been around situations like that? You don't know what to say because it seems like everything that you're saying is causing problems. Why do those exist? Because they've finally gotten to the point where someone's willing to speak the truth, but they're not in, that's not in a loving manner at all. So they're speaking the truth and they're doing it in hatred. Tearing down the people that are around them. 
That doesn't cause any growth. And so we speak the truth now. We speak the truth right away. And so when there's a need to speak, when there's something going on, when you're starting to feel that resentment or that situation coming up, you're like, you know, this isn't quite right. And you hear that voice inside your head that says, you have to say something. You don't quench that voice. You say, okay, I have to say something. Can I do this for the building up of all the people around me? And you're like, well, no, I can't do that right now. Okay, then wait. Figure out how you can do it. Figure out how you can get to that point where you can speak that for the building up of everybody around you, not to just slap them in the face with the truth. Because that's not in love. But when that voice comes, says, you need to speak about this. Say, okay, I'm going to speak about this. And I'm going to do my best to build everyone up through this speaking. Because, and I'm going to make sure that what I'm saying is right. Not just my opinion, but it's right. How do I know when something's right? Because it's founded upon the Word of God. This is what God says. Therefore, this is what we need to do. And we need to do this so that we all can actually grow, so that we can build a community of people that are growing. Any questions? So rather, speaking the truth in love, we grow up into him who is the head, Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you. I thank you for this method for unity. Lord, that, that we know what to do. So often I don't. Lord, but here I do. You've given it and I thank you. Lord, and I pray that we would take advantage of this, that we would run with it. Lord, that we would be open and honest with each other in love. Lord, that we would be truthful with each other in love. Lord, that we wouldn't hide so that these landmines would go away. Lord, and that we could walk freely and in peace with those who are around us. Father, bless us in this manner that we might apply these things into our lives and we might live them out, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.